Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. The only thing that's constant in this world is change. Just ask the retiring editor of Liberty Magazine, Lincoln Steed. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm talking to him about change. I'm asking him how the world changed since he became editor in the late 90s. So far, he has shared two events that tested the strengths of religious liberty worldwide, and today he reveals event number three. The first was homeschooling crisis. The second was the faith-based initiative in the voucher system. Now, we're going to talk about a third. This program is sponsored by Liberty Magazine. Okay, Lincoln, what happened and how did it change the world? Well, I wasn't long into the job and I remember I came into work and I had a wonderful office, which I will miss, under the necessity of monitoring on C-SPAN government proceedings and, and news releases and so on. I had a very nice hi-fi system and a TV system in my room. But I remember one day I was sitting at my desk early in the morning and my predecessor, Clifford Goldstein, who'd been editor for about seven years and was working elsewhere in the building. Mm-hmm. He came rushing in, all excited, and of course, Clifford Goldstein, those that know him, he's always excited. He's always, but this yes, was more he than is. Usual. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, he was just buzzing. And he says, turn on your TV, turn on your TV. He says, a plane has just flown into one of the Twin Towers in New York. So I switched it on, and then I spent I think the rest of the day glued to that TV as people came and went in the office. One stage they were just crowding in because I turned it on and hearing the news of what nobody actually saw, the first plane, and while we watched, the second one hit. And on one level, turning it to history, I didn't quite understand why everybody was so worked up. I mean, it was a huge personal tragedy and clearly an act of sabotage, terrorism. But, you know, as I've said several times since, think about England yeah. and London in particular, which yes. was a big city, uh, I think, of about four or five million, even in World War Two. Yeah. For several months, every day and then every mm-hmm. night, the entire German Air Force came and bombed them. Yeah. And they were never at any threat of collapsing. Mm-hmm. In fact, it stiffened their resolve. But Buckingham Palace was bombed at one point. And I, I remember telling people that morning, I said, first of all, I said, the building isn't going to fall. I said, I can remember very clearly when I was quite young seeing a newsreel of a four-engine American bomber that inadvertently flew into the Empire State Building. A big tragedy, but the building didn't fall. Well, I was wrong. It turned out that the world changed in many and mostly less than tolerable ways. And I remember shortly after reading an article in Le Monde or the World magazine in France, and a social scientist was writing about this event, and, and he says it was, it was real. The reality of it shocked people, but he said what was most shocking was not just that it was real, but it was symbolic. Mm. The security, the sense of security and invulnerability that the United States has had almost from its founding because other than it selling forth against Canada and Mexico, it really hasn't faced 
land threats. You know, mm. you can go and fight a war somewhere else and then come home and party until you go back and fight again. But this brought it home, and, and uh, Americans seemed undone by the sense of imminence and the, the mortal threat, you know, that a couple of crazies may have accomplished turning our own weapons against us. It was isometrical warfare, which wasn't much spoken about before, but now we understand it very well. And this article went on to say it was symbolic, the worst thing, and he said, we have reached the point where the very idea of freedom itself, relatively new and novel, is in the process of disappearing to be replaced by its polar opposite, a terror of security. Mm, mm. And in the years since, I've seen that develop everywhere, some countries more than others, but the entire trend of the modern world is to control people in every aspect of their lives. And you go into a store, you go into a central business district, anywhere you go, take money out of an ATM, a camera is filming you. That's right. You key in on your computer. It's being monitored, not necessarily by a live person, but even worse, monitored and digested and sifted and assumptions made by connections that you have established with your own activities. Mm -hmm. On the telephone, again, messages recorded and sifted. This is Big Brother. Early in my career, I remember writing in 1984 about... The book, 1984, yes. <laughs> written in 1948 by George Orwell. Yeah. It's a quaint book now. We're way beyond what he saw in his futuristic nightmares of a controlling Big Brother era. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's more going on than Big Brother. We still have uh, entertainments and, you know, cable TV and the fast food restaurants. And prices are going up, but you can gorge yourself on liposuction mentality if you want. <laughs> but underneath it all the controls and the oversight and the paranoia that the state can lash out. And even though we have laws, it all shortchanged if you're accused of terrorism. And what I also saw with 9-11, which hadn't really been in place in my lifetime, it's happened in history before, but religion became front and center to the conflict. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the Middle East and some of the radicals from there against us. This was an Islamic yeah. religious jihad directed against us. And in response, we became Christian jihadists. Yes, we did. And I remember yes, reading did. one article about the war in Afghanistan, and things were not going good at one point. And so the army chaplain took a talk of the young people. It was reported in Harper's Magazine. And the chaplain revved them up about their duty as Christian soldiers and all the rest. And so off they went on one Jeep that painted, Jesus killed Muhammad. Mm, mm. This sort of religious warfare mentality is, apart from being bloody in itself, is the end of what we understand as, as liberal democracy and of open religious freedom for all people. And of course, things don't happen in one instant, but mm. in one instant, they turned in the wrong direction. And the trend is not getting better. I think the ghost of Christmas past is coming up to haunt the United States. The night Riders and the lynchings of not just blacks and slaves or ex-slaves, but the lynching of Chinese and, and of Catholics and so on. All of that stuff is now a possibility and in many people's fevered minds a necessity because of 9-11. You know... Uh... 
You've talked about this on the program many times in the last number of years since 9-11. And it seems to me that so much evil is being done in the name of security. And what makes it even worse that that same evil is being done in the name of God. Would I be right in saying that? We're into a security state mentality, and because of the Islamic yes. fundamentalism involved yes. in that singular event, religion kicked in as not just a backstory, it's in many ways the front story on what's yeah. going on. Yeah. It devolves very quickly to us against them, our God against their God. Lincoln Steed, you're a pastor as well as an editor and a writer and, a, and all the other things you've done in your career. <laughs> We need to change our attitude about God. We need to change our vision of who God is, how God acts, and how we're supposed to reflect Him. How do we do that, Lincoln? Help us. Well, we could read the Bible again. That would help. That would, that would help, uh, actually. All the surveys I've seen is that ignorance of the Bible is... Oh. Uh, well, as the Bible says, darkness shall cover the people and yes. gross darkness. Gross darkness. I think some surveys are a little past that now because... With some of the recent election issues, people are aware of the main players. Yeah. But in previous years, all surveys that were done showed only a very small majority could name a sitting president. Mm. I think that's probably not, like I say, not true now. Yeah. But the same surveys would ask people on basic Bible characters, and people don't know. You know, even just on a literary sense, the Bible is the fabric that describes our legal and uh, literary underpinnings. You really don't understand a lot of what's written in the Western world if you don't have a deeper knowledge of the Bible. So it tells me that, you know, no wonder that people are sort of fixated only on the Second Amendment and don't know the rest of the Constitution. Right. It's no wonder that the only thing they hear now and then on state occasions might be a few quotes from the Declaration of Independence, and they think that that's the Constitution. Yeah. In the events of January 6th, I, I remember seeing one report where this rather brash reporter moved among the crowd and and had some interesting discussions. And one guy was going on about how we need to fight for our Constitution or whatever. And he said, have you ever read it? And the guy said, no. He says, says I have. You have? <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's really not too long. He said, you crazy. <laughs> That guy's jaw was literally hanging down. <laughs> I mean, what hope is there for a system when people don't understand the founding principles? Really? And we, we've long learned that from the Bible. You don't know the Ten Commandments. You can hardly be a moral Christian. Really? Really? Uh, and if you don't know your constitution, how would you expect the liberal democracy founded on the blood of the pioneers or on the patriots? But how would you expect it to survive? On autopilot? Not likely. Yeah, yeah.
Well, I now know what you're trying to say to the world here on the closing moments of your leadership there at Liberty Magazine. <laughs> you're telling people, to, you know, hey, it might be helpful if we sat down and one, read the Constitution, two, read the Bible. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I'll, I'll reverse the order. Okay, good, good. Read the Constitution in the light of the Bible. There, I think that's exactly now, right. And I even can hear, not that I heard them in reality, but reading, I can hear the voice of some of the framers of the Constitution. They felt that an informed constituency was necessary for mm -hmm. a democracy. Yes. If people didn't know, they despaired that democracy would survive. Okay, well, our time has flown by on this program. We have one more in the series for next time. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, has been our guest today. Lincoln, thank you so much. Always been a pleasure. And by the way, this program was sponsored by Liberty Magazine. And listener, we have a website, libertymagazine.org, for your perusal. And if you want to learn a little bit more about what we're talking about on these programs, that's a good place to start other than the Constitution and the Bible, libertymagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>